Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh. Please visit HelloFresh.com and use the promo code TWD35 to save $35 off your first week of deliveries. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 9. I was a little worried about the intro because it's been a couple months. <laughs> I wasn't sure I'd nail it, but I got it, so I'm happy. Uh, what do you think of this episode? This episode was pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. I, the, the thing is, <laughs> is like I am... I, I, I'm trying to separate the actual quality of the episode with me in the back of my mind judging what the pacing is going to be like for the rest of the season. Okay. Yeah. Because there's a lot here. Like, at, at first, I, I kept on thinking, like, oh, man, Ezekiel's kind of balking at joining the war and how many episodes is it going to take to convince him and how many kind of meaningless battles are going to happen before then. And mm-hmm. But then they find this large, well-armed and equipped group that i'm assuming is going to be part of rick's team eventually or else they're even more screwed than you know some rick's got to start getting some breaks right or i mean he needs them certainly i don't know that he's going to get them just because he needs them but sure but you know i thought that there's a a a large swath of the dialogue like a third of the dialogue in this movie was bad and some of it was like bad filtered through bad shakespeare Right, right. So it's like, but some of that was intentional, and I think they were yeah. kind of having fun with. But So that's the thing. I actually think this episode, aside from some clunky dialogue, some really clunky dialogue uh-huh. and spots, I thought this episode was really good. Like, it is, the- it is entertaining. Like, I have long since stopped watching this show for the quality sure, sure. of the writing or anything like that. Now, like, I'm looking for the bright spots, and I got several of them this episode. I, I mean, if nothing else, I've never even thought of anything like the clothesline <laughs> of the apocalypse. That was amazing. That, like, the fact that they conceived and committed to that idea visually was, uh-huh. was, was you got to take that as a positive sign. I think so, and I, I think, like, they're leaning into some of the sillier characters, some of the more over-the-top characters, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ezekiel is inherently over-the-top. Oh, you the have top. to, yeah. If you're going to do him at all, you have to. But even, like, a Gregory or a Jerry, right? Like, yeah. both of those characters are kind of coming into their own. Gregory is still a dick bag, but he's... I think the actor is doing a really good job with that character. Plus, I kind of agree with him, broadly... <laughs> oh, do you? Like, yeah. don't fight back? Well, no, not just do- don't fight back, but w- f- with the information he has, and, and again, I got to ignore everything that the show ta- ta- uh, tell- says about him being a douchebag and a coward, but if you just go by the information he has with what Rick's team has said they would do versus what they delivered versus what they want to do now, it is kind of crazy pants. Yeah, yeah, and maybe I would take him what he's saying a little more seriously if I didn't know that he was a coward and and he's really just lo- looking to save his own skin more than anything else. Uh you know, his 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 motives are not exactly pure. Right. Uh but yeah, I, I think I've really enjoyed watching his character be the sort of drunken buffoon that he is. Right. Uh he doesn't have a good grasp. He doesn't even know how many people he's got in his community. Mhm. <laughs> Ridiculous. No, he definitely doesn't take the whole thing seriously. Do you? Uh, you, you got a gut feeling for how long he'll be for this world? Mm, not long. 
You don't think he survives a war? I don't think so. Okay. I, I, I don't think... Here's the problem, though. I don't know what takes him out. Hmm. Like, he, he either gets a little too stupid and Negan takes him out, or Jesus takes him out? I can't see Jesus There's taking no him Jesus out, though. There's no way Jesus take him out. Yeah. But I do feel like that one of the hazards of being a a weak leader in the apocalypse, in particular Negan's apocalypse, is you're going to be held responsible responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. And the last visit that Negan had with uh, the Hilltop, or his representative, rather, uh, didn't go so well for, for Gregory. Nope. And... You know, that's why I think it's going to he's gonna be like this this lick spittle kind of guy that just gets caught up in his own incompetence. Definitely could be. But but Rick's crew crew just seems like, you know, they waltz in here promising that they'd be able to do this, can't, and then they just keep doubling down on the promises. Like mm-hmm. part of me is like, ah, you know, it's 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 not a bad leadership to question whether these guys know what they're doing and whether we should just completely <laughs> cut our ties with them or That's fair. You know. All right, so let's get into the recap, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, we start with uh, where we ended last season on. Uh, if you missed the after credit sequence, Gabriel is uh, sitting around chilling at night uh, when suddenly he is struck by the massive need to raid all the pantries and all the armories and steal a car and hightail it out of Alexandria. One thing I noticed watching it this morning that I did not notice watching last night is there was a person with him in the car. A hooded figure. A hooded figure. Um, We know he was being stalked by a shadowy figure uh, that was somehow connected to the boat last season. Mm -hmm. It seems like, you know, there's a big mystery about and there's a lot of people debating on what this means. I feel like that this is essentially the, the hooded, muddy booted figure from the boat come back to uh you know shanghai um gabriel and and make him clean out alexander and probably revenge for the boat fiasco and mm-hmm. that they're part of this larger cloaked menace we meet at the end yeah i would i would think so i mean the hoods seem to thematically visually connect them right right but without seeing the hood in the back i think that's a, really the only hint and it's yeah. a pretty subtle one by the show standards that just that that Gabriel just didn't lose his mind. Like I, I, the whole time I was watching, I'm like, there's no way this can't be something in the the group's best interest. But it turns out it's probably just something that was forced against his will, right? Yeah, I mean, my mind instantly like kicks into gear, wanting to figure out like exactly what this person is up to and the logistics behind this whole operation. Yeah, is, is, we is, don't see the hooded figure until Gabriel's out the door. Is Gabriel literally the only person watching over Alexandria at this hour of the night? Seems so. That seems insane. That seems like yeah. something Rick wouldn't allow to happen. Well, he trusts Gabriel now. <laughs> That's the change last half season. I trust Gabriel, but I also have a reasonable... Well, I don't trust Gabriel, number one. Mm-hmm. But number two, I also have a reasonable feeling about his skill set and where it fits in with the rest of the Alexandria people. And, uh, I know. I guess Rick has a different view. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, the if, if Alexandria now has no food and no guns, no even bladed knives, the cupboards are really bare, as we'll be pointing out last, uh, later on in the episode. Yeah, I don't even think they have saws. I mean, he takes it all. Yeah. Yeah, no bladed weapons. They're like, they're, I'd say the Stone Age, except for they don't even have a good stone axe. They're down to the Stick Age. Yeah. <laughs> to the Knuckle Age of humankind. 
Uh, so then we see that Rick and company are at the hilltop and they are treating with Gregory and Gregory is trying his best to shut down the whole deal. Like mm-hmm. I said, I, he makes a couple of points that are decent if you don't think that he's a complete cowardly shitbag, uh-huh. which I do. Um, I, I love the reactions from the characters though. They're I, just I, like, I yeah. can't believe this guy. He, yeah. Like the reaction on Rick's face when he calls Maggie like Margaret or whatever. Right. Is just priceless. Which I think at this point is just a power play. Like, he surely's got her name down. I think he's just tweaking her at this point. Maybe. Maybe. But then again, I I don't know. It's just just so weird to hear a person that I'm conditioned to think is a complete idiot and weakling making fairly salient points about this other group. Like, I I guess Mm -hmm. I would like to see some awareness on Rick's company side that this has been a shit show of massive proportions. And Yeah. I I wonder if the writers are kind of leaning into the idea that the audience is still with Rick. Mm-hmm. And and that by saying, like, putting up opposition to Rick, he's obviously wrong, even though he makes good points. It seems like they're going to just ignore Gregory as a leader. Like, mm-hmm. they're just going to, just yeah. like, okay, whatever, Gregory, but we've got, you know, the three figures that the people actually in the hilltop uh, look for. Yeah, it's Jesus. I mean, de facto leader right now is Jesus. And, 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 and honestly, Maggie, Maggie is yeah. even... I think uh, the Hilltop people look to her even more than Jesus at this point. Right. I was going to say... I don't oh, know how they sold that. But not really. Do you think they sold that, the fact that Maggie's taken over the leadership wheel? Uh, sort of. Like, you know, they did it in kind of ridiculous fashion. Like, she should have been sidelined the last half right but she was she was the tractor driving maniac that silenced the tearing her uterus open and yeah and (laughs) just doing things that she shouldn't have been able to do physically yeah uh but yeah i think i think they've kind of weaseled their way into that position with maggie yeah that one scene like you'd feel like that that would be that kind of zombie based daring do would be any essential, like, like any uh, uh, human outpost in the apocalypse would have seen half a dozen of those in the last year. Oh, right. Right? Yeah. But it's like they're they're super impressed with the, the tractor driving mm-hmm. of the farm girl. So, hey, why not? Uh, the hilltop comes forth after they get out of Gregory's office to swear fealty to Rick and Maggie, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from the from the top down. Do we see some? I forget what the guy's name, but the guy who did some punching and was part of the the raid uh, that they presented to fake Gregory Head. Right. Uh, I forget his name, but he was there. But then there's a lot of people that obviously are not fighters at all. Mm-hmm. So Hilltop seems like it's a mixed bag. Uh, Jesus reveals that he's stolen a long-wage rocky to- uh, walkie-talkie and wants to introduce them to King Ezekiel. Uh, can I ask you, what is up with Jesus' beard? What do you mean? Jesus' beard looked like it's gotten the mange in the off-season. <laughs> <laughs> like the goatee area is intact, but whenever he strikes a profile, there's big ragged hunks taken out of the sides and edges. I don't know. I mean, it's possible he's got like big scars underneath it. He's got the beard mange. Just kind of. I don't know. I didn't. I you didn't kind notice? Of noticed? But okay, I thought we both noticed that last yeah, night. Looked, that it looked like someone got at him with a pair of hedge trimmers. That yeah, it looked a little funny, but I. I didn't really go back and like examine it closely. Or I wonder if that's still because for a time that was just, that was fake. That's a fake beard, and it's a. It was. A, I believe so. I don't think he ever grew that naturally. I thought that was oh. a, a point that, hmm. that that it was all wig and 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 beard. Maybe maybe he's got a. And maybe he just you know I, I've been there. You're trimming a beard, and all of a sudden, oh, that's that looks good. That doesn't look good, <laughs> right? Or you trim Time a little to, too much, and yeah. then you, you can't stop. No, nope, I mean, you gotta you just gotta you just gotta nuke it. You gotta blast it to stubble. But he's unwilling to. So he he fucks up with the razor. He just calls it good. Yeah. 
so Jesus leads them through the kingdom, and we... I don't think they impressed this upon me the last time we saw the kingdom, but the kingdom has a lot of knights mm-hmm. that we'll call them, and they're well-trained. Tra- they do daily drills, and they're doing, like, you know, PT stuff, and they're training constantly. Like, like they actually have... Yeah. The first post-apocalyptic fighting force I think we've seen. Uh, yeah, and it's a huge fuck you to Rick when, in the end, Ezekiel says, no, we're not going to help you. Because there's the force he needs. Like, yeah, it's right here. It's it trained. Anyway. Yeah. It's ready to go. Yeah. The only thing in the way is Ezekiel saying no. Yeah. And it's it's a real fuck you. Although, if I was Rick, I'd also be thinking, how well trained? Yeah, sure, they're running in hockey pads. Uh-huh. But I also got this guy quoting Shakespeare. Right. And and Martin Luther King uh, e- equally. I was like, what, what is like is part of their training like chivalry? Mm-hmm. Like like they they run around in circles and then they train in chivalry. Like that's not going to get the job done against Negan, you know? Yeah, no, you're probably right. I mean, his guys are definitely not. It as might well not even be enough Negan's. to impress a first date, honestly. <laughs> let alone let alone Negan. Um, but I I thought that was kind of interesting the the showing of the hilltops or not the hilltop the kingdom strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick is reunited with Morgan, which um that actually was less of an affair than I was thinking. Like oh that could be a whole episode just you know Rick and Morgan and Carol staring at each other and <laughs> and 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 crying and hugging. Well, there wasn't any Carol yet, so like maybe when she gets in the mix, mm. we'll see something. There there was a line earlier on when Jesus first meets up with. Uh, the main hockey pad guy, Richard, I think his name is. Uh, he says he's never seen him smile. He says, "Oh, Richard, I've never seen you smile." Not going to start today. Is it any coincidence that the guy is named Rick, Richard, and we see our Rick smile by the end of this episode? Hmm. What are they getting at with this smile stuff? Hmm. I don't know. That's I didn't even make the Rick Richard Dick connection. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm I not sure. I do want to talk to say, about but... his smile at the end mm-hmm. um, here in a bit. Okay. Um, so they get an audience with the king. Oh, Jerry is so good. Jerry, Jerry is good, and like the king's right away just wore like Jerry. Come on, bring it down a notch. Jerry Sauls, did he have this kind of quilted, red-breasted armor thing with the I... double-headed axe? That was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I don't recall that last season, but. And I would think that I would remember that. Do you think that they're making Jerry out to be like this court gesture and you're going to find out that he's actually kind of badass? Like the man that has could, a, has a big, be. big battle axe. He does. It, and he's a big dude. If he doesn't make like Gimli from Lord of the Rings by the end of the season, I, that's going to be like, you know, you, you got Chekhov's double, double-headed battle axe. I want to see a head severed from shoulders yeah. by the time the season's over. So... I mean, there are two possibilities here that, as I see it, um, one, he's a bat, a secret badass. Mm. The other is Ezekiel doesn't really trust him to do much else, so he wants to keep him close. And they might be using him like the Wooby on the battlefield, where like when when he gets killed, it's going to be like super sad because he's the lovable teddy bear that never really should have been issued a battle axe, and now he's getting his guts pulled out. Right. And uh, everyone's sad, and they're playing sad bear McCreary music. Yep. And we should feel bad that we're still watching the show. A McKinney pop song. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So the king is kind of pissed with Jesus because uh, the king, as we found last season, has not told his people, his subjects, that they're actually under the boot of the saviors. Mm -hmm. They're blissfully unaware of the fact that there is a power greater than them in the universe. And he, I guess they told Jesus that for some reason. 
I don't think Ezekiel's that big on secrets. I think guy looked, a guy that looks like Jesus walks in his camp, and he's just instantly incorporates that into his bit. Yeah, I, I mean, they told Jesus because Jesus told them about the stuff they had dealt with with Negan. Right. So, But I'm going with more of like, ah, it is only fitting that Jesus of Nazarene blesses us with his presence. Even more proof that God smiles upon uh, my kingdom, you know? Sure. Like, he just, just rose that guy's... Oh, it's, I'm it's, sure there was a... a just grandstanding spin of the whole situation uh-huh. when Jesus pulled up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, well, it, it makes sense that the Son of Man. Um, so he's pissed at him uh, for breaking his confidence. Uh, Rick, uh, they, they kind of plead their case. Uh, Ezekiel leans on Morgan, the newcomer, and we all kind of know what's coming. It's a whole bunch of Morgalizing. Rick's face is precious mm. when Morgan starts talking about another way and capturing Negan. Like Rick's just got this like, Oh my fucking God, I can't believe I'm hearing this. <laughs> Morgan's doing it to me in two different communities. Uh, and he tries this rock in the road theory of leadership where, mm-hmm. you know, there's this rock in the road and, and it's, it's broken many horses legs and it's, it's hurt many people and it's cost many people, their family fortune. And except this little urchin girl who's shipping beer, for some reason, there's a little girl shipping beer. Right. And without her parents. Without her parents. Like, yeah. Uh, wagon wheel hits a hitch. The beer goes off. It's 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 just staves in the, the cask and it just leaks beer everywhere. Mm-hmm. And she's so mad that no one's done anything about this rock that she goes and digs it up, gets it out of the road, finds out there's a bag of gold underneath there. Which tells me this fucking asshole king put him road hazard just for some psychological trick. Yeah. Yeah. How many people has he killed with that? Right. Like this guy un- dug up the, the, the hazard and instead of like, he's like, you know what? You know what? Put a bag of gold in there. Put it back. I want right. to see if someone else will do this thing that and I ha- as the king should be doing. What the hell? And why? Okay. So this girl is lucky to have survived this scenario. I'm sure there were many before her that didn't survive it and were unable to pull the rock out because they all died. Right. Their cart flipped. It landed on top of sure, them. They got on pinned, fire. Exploded. And now they're all dead. And there stands the rock waiting for the next victim. Uh-huh. This fucking king is an asshole. I know. I know. This girl got lucky and the king got lucky because it's it would have continued thing, to kill. It's one thing if the, if the king happened to be coming down the road and saw this girl's noble sacrifice and showered her the gold. But it really reframes the whole story <laughs> to have the king it does. set up this hazard for some kind of fucking test. A test that you can't even guarantee anyone can take, let alone pass. Yeah, and now she's got just stubs instead of hands because they're just worked to the to the bone. Right. And what's she gonna do? She's gonna she's gonna have golden hands. Gonna be double Jamie Lannister going on now? She what maybe, the fuck? She could have used like a plank of wood from the barrel, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, she should have. She obviously sure. didn't. Plus, the beer had to soften that dirt up. I mean, oh, that yeah. that that road drank up the I beer. D- I don't buy any of this story. Yeah. this is bullshit, yeah. Rick. Yeah, Rick's mom, you're telling a bad story. Yeah. I, I think you took you, you you got drunk when you heard Aesop's fables <laughs> and this is what you came up with. Uh just, just yeah, stick with the good Samaritan and call it a day. And as you can imagine, as you can imagine, this did not influence King Ezekiel one bit. <laughs> He's like, I will go to bed and struggle upon the meaning of thy story. Uh he then visits Benjamin. Um Oh, I'm no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We 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 then break there. He says the king says he'll deliver his decision upon the morrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and Benjamin is walking through the forest, forest, presumably scooping up field mice and bopping them on the head. 
when he gets in a tense standoff with Carol, uh, they you know Carol looks like a zombie to him. He just looked like a dumbass to Carol. <laughs> Uh, and they have a talk, and Benjamin says Ezekiel's going to keep checking up on you because he likes to take care of the people he cares about. Mm. And Carol looks at the camera inscrutably. Yeah, I mean, is, she's is, probably not happy about it. Is King Zeke breaking down Carol? Uh, I, I'll say he's got a way to go, a ways to go if he's going to break down Carol. Yeah. I think she's still just as hard as she's ever been. She's the proverbial rock. Yeah in the road that you got to dig up, get your hands bloody, but there's a pile of gold underneath that rock. Yeah. Actually, it's just a pomegranate. It's just a pomegranate. You get a meal before you die in the road. Uh uh And and you know what's, ironically, what stings worse when you put it on cuts and abrasions, pomegranate juice. It's It's like, it's like turbo powered lemon juice. Mm -hmm. You don't fuck with the pomegranates when you got cuts on your hand, bro. Yep. Um, so Zeke uh, uh, or uh, Benjamin comes home and King Ezekiel is telling his brother uh, he's reciting MLK speeches. If you remember, he played Martin Luther King in um, in a, some kind of community theater production before the apocalypse. Yeah. So he's using that experience uh, to tell some comforting uh, stories of people triumphing over oppression and injustice, mm-hmm. which I thought. Oh, he's gonna give he's gonna give Rick the good word, right? Like the, he hit him with and the rock story. Get... <laughs> then he's thinking about like King, you know, Martin Luther King stand against oppression and injustice. And then you get this impassioned speech from Ben. Yeah, about we're ready, but your father would have been proud of you. But that's also, I think, the thing that ultimately turned because we know that this ben, Benjamin is like this symbol to Ezekiel of his failure mm-hmm. and and. The weight of these boys being fatherless weighs on him, and when he's when the next generation is saying, "Yeah, we're ready for this foolhardy mission," it mm-hmm. kind of makes him pump the brakes a little bit, right? So um, the king goes and, and 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 boasts over his many archers that are of deadly accuracy, mm-hmm. and the fact that his people are war hardened and half of them are missing limbs already from previous conflict, and they're still fighting; they haven't lost their appetite for it, and says, "No." Our peace with the saviors may be uneasy, but it is peace, and I won't break it. But I will grant Daryl asylum, which yeah. that's going to be a hoot. Which, good thing, because if he hadn't done that, he probably would have been with the group when the saviors show up later. Right, right. Um, I did like the the moment that Rick has with Daryl here, where Daryl's kind of bummed about being left behind. and. Mm-hmm. He's kind of turning into, like, petulant, withdrawn Daryl, and, like, Rick's just staying right with him and, like... <laughs> like Daryl's trying to not look him in the eye, and and uh, Andy Lincoln is like bobbing and weaving there in the box with him. Like, no, 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 we're gonna we're gonna maintain this eye contact. This is how I want you to stare down Ezekiel. Now, if you can't talk with him, yeah, you're gonna... that's the thing. Like he leaves Daryl to try to talk to Ezekiel yeah. or stare him down into submission, whatever it takes. But like, come on, Daryl doesn't talk to anybody. I mean. If Daryl calls bullshit on this, how can King Ezekiel resist? Like once bullshit has been declared it's by Dixon brother, it's not going to be an brother, eloquent argument. He's just stubborn and and yeah, defiant. I think like, it'll work. I think it'll work. I mean, eventually, I'm pretty sure. Like gonna, honestly, something's going to work. What but. I want is like a ten minute scene between him and Morgan, where like Morgan's trying all this high flower falutin shit, and 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 Daryl's just, just like, look, I don't know, sense. I don't know where you came from. But, like, I had cigarette butts burnt off on me and or put out on me when I was a kid. And let me tell you how the world really works here. While you're busy morgalizing and milking Making goats. Cheese, yeah. 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 Fuck you, man. 
It'll be the f- first time in history that 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 that, that a, a, a a stringy white guy can sit down and set a black man straight about the state of the world. Uh, Morris has had his fair share of tribulation, but <laughs> probably sure. yeah, sure, sure. You know, lost the kid, zombie lost wife, wife and, yeah. and all that. But um, so I thought there's also an interesting scene where Sasha and Rosita are walking side by side, and Sasha's trying to vent the Rosita, and Rosita mm-hmm. just shuts it down. Which I thought they had a moment at the end of last half season where they might have come to some kind of truce or standoff here but it appears like they're it was one-sided if it was or sasha took it too far like yes i don't hate you and Mm -hmm. i'm not going to be like a complete bitch about this whole situation but don't don't push it we're not buddies right what you did was not cool and you know Mm -hmm. anyway um so the other thing is when they're heading towards the gates, Richard and Rick have a conversation where Richard vents that it's not just not fighting them is a bad deal. What they're doing, they're making their communities weaker and the savior stronger every day. Yeah. They give them ammunition. That's a Good great point. point. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, this isn't like a static situation. There is no yeah. status quo here. We get weaker. They get stronger every day. We wait. It makes them more impossible to try to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's urgent. And I feel like we're going to talk about it here in the scene with the bombs uh, on the road. Right. But I feel like they're going for this kind of ticking time bomb sort of motif. There, mm. There's a lot of like in the score, there's some, some powder ticking keg. sounds. There's inexplicably some ticking sounds coming from the bomb in the road, which as far as I know is not a time bomb. I don't know what could possibly be ticking in that thing, but okay. Yeah. Like, really <laughs> insulting my intelligence, making sure I know it's a bomb based uh-huh. on ticking. It's like an Acme-style bundle of dynamite with an alarm clock strapped to it. Right. So, uh, so but I think they've got, like, this, this ticking time bomb motif kind of going on. It is. It's a powder keg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're driving back home, and they've got... Uh, the, they got Negan's radio, and he's given a all all bulletin alert on Fat Joey and his eulogy, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, you know, now Skinny Joey's just Joey. It's, it's yeah, a, another another really good moment for this episode. Like, it, yeah, Negan works really well in those kind of moments where you can kind of get a, yeah. a glimpse of him being unhinged and a, a, an apoc- a brutal apocalyptic warlord. You don't have to live with him for forty five minutes. You know, right in small doses. Yeah, he, yeah, for sure, he's better that way. Uh, and maybe like maybe when we have to get him for longer doses, he can be a little bit more serious mm-hmm. because yeah, the, this stuff works. Like I, I was genuinely enjoying that part, and it was like thirty seconds long. We're good. Yeah, uh, they come up to a blockade, and Carl observes that he's heard of these booby traps that they set for these herds. Uh, we see the steel cable to stretch across the highway that has a whole piss pot full of explosives. Like there's. <laughs> There's dynamite, there's fuel cans, there's RPGs that they've rigged up to, like, automatically fire. Like, this fucking thing is a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Apocalypse. Yeah. Now. I, I feel like maybe a better use of the RPGs would be to actually fire them out of the the launcher. Why? But- if you someone gives you an RPG mm. in the apocalypse, isn't that, like, you, you, you hoard that up, don't you? Right. You, Especially that's, if that's, you, that's, you have you save the that for the final fucking boss. You don't just yeah. set it to where, like, you know, a goddamn cow in the road might accidentally set it off. And here's the thing. They've got, like, four, four sticks of dynamite strapped to each of these. Mm-hmm. Take out a stick from each one and put it where the rocket 
but where the RPG right. would go. Right. Like you can you can spread it a little thinner. Yeah. You're not going to take out the whole herd with this thing. Yeah. But uh, I. <laughs> Carl, yeah, so you mentioned, like, Carl's observation that this is meant for the herd. Mm -hmm. He says out loud, this is meant for the herd. Mm -hmm. And then someone says, this is not for a single zombie. It's for a lot of zombies. Right. Yeah, no fucking shit. Carl just said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for reiterating. And And the the clunky dialogue. This isn't just for one. It's like, okay. Yeah. What the hell? And before that, someone, you know, when they pull up to that and they see the the roadblock, Uh uh, somebody says, "Uh, there looks like they don't want anybody to pass here. Well, yeah, that's what a fucking roadblock does. Mm-hmm. Congratulations! <laughs> like, I, the dialogue is fucking clunky in this. <laughs> yeah, if you gotta, yeah, yeah, what are you gonna do? But if you can overlook that, there are some truly awesome moments coming up. They are. Um, so Rosita starts disarming the bombs. I did not know that Rosita was an explosives expert. You know, I I wouldn't have. I thought her paramilitary nature was an affectation of hanging around Abraham, and maybe she right. and obviously she picked up some fighting skills in there too. But mm-hmm. maybe I missed something, and they actually, came, you know, like I don't know, did they serve in the same unit in Nam or? What? Yeah, I'm not sure, but you know, of any of the characters there, I guess. I might give her a little more credit for having some experience, just because of the way she looks, right? Because she looks like Laura Croft, sure. right? She's dressing, she's dressing like she at one point could have been in the military. So right. I, I don't know what her background is. I forget, frankly. Right, she's the granddaughter of Che Guevara. Right, <laughs> right. Um, okay, so she starts disarming it, and like if there wasn't enough tension, the herd starts approaching uh, from the distance. Mm-hmm. And Negan calls a code red because he's just now realized that Daryl's gone. So, right. and they also established that they're within eyeshot of the uh, of the Savior's comp- main complex. Yeah. So there's some real genuine pressure here. Uh, but Rick says, "Hey, we've got to get all of the explode." And there's a lot of tension between them getting every last stick of dynamite off here versus what. So it's something I truly don't understand. There's a line of dialogue where Rick's like, yeah, we got to get it all, but we also have to get these um, cars put back in place. Mm -hmm. And someone says, well, the Savior's going to know we stole their dynamite. Why do you care? And Rick says, I want to keep this herd on the highway. We might need them later. Mm -hmm. So why are you blockading the highway if you want the herd to be on the highway? They're they're blockading the the off-ramp. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because I... I want to say they were getting onto the highway when they saw the roadblock. Okay, so they that's so that that's going to keep the herd on the highway. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I don't wonder, know what they what Rick wants it for. Like yeah. later, but I mean, this is going to make two and a half seasons of setup kind of worth it, I guess. If if the you know Rick's fumbling at trying to redirect herds and this right. explosives comes in the way he can like send the whole sea of walkers through Negan's complex. Like mm-hmm. that, that feels like maybe that's where this is going. Yeah. Uh, it does. I, I'm trying to figure out what the bombs are for. Like the bombs aren't there to destroy a herd because no, it's it not going to work. It would destroy maybe the top 10% and then the others right. roll on. Um, so it seems like it might be there as an alert. Yeah. For, cause it's within eye shot. Of, right. of the power plant. Right. Uh, they have, like, gasoline strapped to it, which sure. would make the explosion a big fireball and smoky. Right. Uh, instead of just, like, this pressure thing. I would think you could hear it, honestly. You could probably like hear it. high explosive yeah. report. Like, you, yeah, it seems like it's... Oh, 
if it's an alarm signal, it seems like it's overkill. <sighs> if it's supposed to uh-huh. control the herd, it seems like it a fart in the wind. Under, like yeah. it's it's overpowered and underpowered depending on how you're looking at it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I remind everybody sure they could see it. I remind here. everybody that there was a twin a twin dump truck pile of sand right holding a god a flood of zombies down and that made no sense whatsoever mm-hmm. so this at least you can kind of squint and say well from this and from this oh, and maybe so, they just wanted to be sure so they strapped it up with more dynamite right, than they needed to right because you know their lookouts get drunk and they right. can't see guys like jesus uh surfing on a truck right with from a football field away so maybe maybe a little overkill for a signal <laughs> is not a bad idea yeah uh, so yeah, uh, they, they, they're able to get every last, every last explosive. Well, not every last explosive. Um, and they're able to get the cars back in place, but the herd is now threatening to cut the groups apart mm-hmm. or separate them. So Rick and Michonne hotwire the cars that have the cabling tied between them and drive them full force at the herd. And just, I, I don't think this physically makes sense. I uh-huh. don't think you could do this with two cars, but by God, if you did, it would probably look like that, and it was pretty fucking awesome. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Just limbs flying everywhere, <laughs> and when they did the POV, it is just... Like from between the cars? It's a when horror, the guts are it's just a hitting horror the show. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, amazing. I, I laughed out loud yep. in the best of ways when I saw that. Yeah. It was great. It was great. And then they get close to the group, and they get out, and Rick and Michonne just kind of politely push their way through the sea of zombies uh-huh. and get in the car and the SUV, and they're, they're gone. And then there's a ex- loud explosion, which I think is – what are we supposed to understand? That that's how bad the saviors rigged something, that it exploded comically late? Or no, so um, was it to show that Rick – Somewhere along the line, Sasha had, had – or sorry, not Sasha. Rosita had uh, – looked at one of the sticks of dynamite and said, that's got a slash in it or whatever. We're not taking that. She I don't like it the on looks the ground. of it. Oh, so that's right. what went exploded. And then, yeah, as a walker comes up and kicks it or something. Okay. Um, okay. Once they finally get that that far down the road. All right. Because second time, did she make a, a comment on that when it exploded? Uh, no, it was it was just before. Like, no, I remember when she says, I don't like the look of that. But yeah. I, yeah, I guess. And then she turns around and she sets it on the ground, like right in the middle of the median. Oh, uh, okay. And okay. they leave it so there. So that's that that exploded. All yeah. right, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Alexandrians show up just in time for the saviors to come up for the search for Daryl, and I forget what handlebar handlebar chin strap beard McGee says, but it's it's along the lines of you guys better not be hiding Daryl here because if you do, it's going to be bad. And Rick's like, well, we don't, and he's right. He's right. Which There's is this no is a, an yeah. oddly oddly suspenseless scene because we yeah. know they're not going to find. I mean, the only suspense is are the saviors going to be capricious and cruel, right, and kill someone just because? Mm-hmm. Which I kind of thought, well, maybe they will, but they don't. Uh, I was kind of surprised they didn't do a little more interrogation of some of the other. Sure. People in the group because sure. sure maybe Rick can stand up to an interrogation, but can Sasha? Can Rosita? Can can Carhartt? Uh, can Car? Does Carhartt know though? I don't know. Can Michelle? Michelle probably could. Yeah, that's the thing. No one, only the badasses who are hard as diamond know the truth. This mm. the marshmallow Stay Puff guys and Alexander don't know. So right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It is is it was it was a very intense scene of people tossing things, but I'm like, well, they're not going to find it. I know for sure. So luckily, they didn't waste a ton of they time didn't. with this. They didn't. You know, previous and they had to show something, right? 
Um, I just thought the the for as crazy as the Saviors have been in points in this, the the last season, I thought they were oddly kind of just like laissez faire about this whole thing. Yeah, like, yeah, we're going to toss your shit, and I guess their thought is if you got if you're harboring Daryl, we're going to find out eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. And then he, t- I think he's telling Rick that if if Daryl shows up, they should butcher him. Pretty much, they should kill him or turn pres- him over. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think turn him over would do it. Like he says, you better have your hatchet ready. Well, I mean, I think the implication is that if you if he shows up, or if we find out and you don't come tell us, yeah. Because like, if Rick, yeah, like if Daryl showed up and Rick was like, hey. uh Negan, we got Daryl. Negan here. would want him alive just so he could do whatever he wants to do with him. I think yeah, he would which, prefer him to be alive than dead. Wants to turn him into his pet tiger, I guess. At this point, I don't know that that's on that the might, table. Yeah. It might just be drawn and quartering or whatever death by pain, amusement that uh, Negan has thought up with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, this is when Rick and company find out. They catch up with current events about Gabriel stealing all their shit. <laughs> and Rick is adamant about there's no way that Gabriel could do this to us. Rosita is ready to write him off. Uh, and they find a, a note that says boat, mm-hmm. uh, which Rick you know, and Aaron immediately take to mean that it's the boat that they got all the supplies off of. And they're pretty right. Uh, before they leave, we get a scene. Yeah, that- so here's the thing. I don't think Gabriel wrote that. I don't either. I think it, okay. I think the boat person, the mysterious okay. soggy-footed boat person wrote that. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, and it, So what do you think the plan is here? I mean, do they want to meet Rick? Is that the thing? Like, are they trying to draw him out with something that's important, like their food stash? And their, and their person, weapons? And well, their Gabriel's, yeah. <laughs> Gabriel's borderline important. I think he's important to Rick. He's not important to us. Okay, but, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think that's exactly right, because they, they, they've scouted out Alexandria. They've measured them out. They know they've got a superior force, and they're luring them into a trap so that they can... I guess dictate um, terms to Rick. Like I don't know what this group. I don't know what their gr- this group is about, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, we're we're bumping up against the limits of my even comic knowledge, so uh, I, I don't know. I don't know who this group is supposed to be. I don't know what they want. I don't. I don't know anything about them. Okay, neither do I. So, um, Aaron and Eric have a nice little scene where Eric is kind of like, you know, I'm a been all for Rick's and and all for you and and I love you and everything, but are we not going into just obscenely dangerous territories here? Like, is this what we should be doing? Is this what you have to do? Like, these people are going to get you killed kind of thing. I thought it was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nothing we haven't seen from, like, Laurie and Rick a million times before, but I thought this was um, a pretty good scene. And Aaron affirms that, yes, these are my people, and I have to help them. Uh, they go back to the boat, uh, and on the way they see this giant muddy footprint, which we saw so much of the boots squishing around last season. I feel even strongly that this 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 is all connected to that shadowy figure, and they're ambushed outside some sort of overgrown factory by a bunch of monochromatic Assassin's Creed cosplayers. <laughs> and Rick looks around and he grins. Mm-hmm. He grins. Why does Rick? Why does, does- why does Rick grin? Well, first of all, I want to figure out what kind of grin this is. Is this like, is this almost like a grimace, or is this like an actually happy to see someone grin? Well, that that's a good question. Is this like I please be friendly, sort of? Yeah, like grin? I need, I am outnumbered, not gun. So the first time in a long time, I'm actually going to have to like convince people that I'm a good person, right? I'm, I'm friendly. 
or, or did he he clearly fixates on something his eyes lock focus on something hmm. someone probably uh, who could that be who could he be seeing that I'd, would cause him to smile so one that, way or another i think so there's three so there's three pl- possibilities i've seen floated about this one that he's seeing someone like perhaps gabriel mm-hmm. and he's smiling i don't it didn't to me look like he was looking at one subject and smiling. It looked like he was looking around and smiling at the situation, which leads me to the next mm. possibility that we already talked about, which is he's putting on the friendly Rick Grimes face because he's going to try diplomacy. He's going to he's going to oh, roll boy. twenty on a diplomacy check, yeah. And that greasy hair and crazy beard is going to be like a negative ten on that. Probably going to fail. I think the third possibility is Rick is realizing. This is my opportunity. If I can get through and form an alliance, these are the tr- these guys are all manifestly warriors. Mm-hmm. They're good enough to sneak up on the likes of us without being detected. They're armed to the teeth. This is the army I need. All I have to do is figure out how to get them on my side. Right. Uh, I think that's what he's grinning about. Now, this is not connected to the beach community that, that Tara was at last season because there were dudes in this crowd, right? I was going to say, unless they found a whole bunch of baseball bats to go with the catcher's mitt, so to speak. Right. A lot a lot of uh, a lot of sachets to go with the buns. and uh, Yeah, I, I don't think they're Because Seaside was, was all bun, no sausage, if I recall correctly. Yes. So, yes. yeah. That's true. Uh they do have a shitload of weapons, though. And th- were these people? A lot of these people were rocking like spears and sure. And it wasn't knives every, every, and not everyone weapons. had guns and stuff, but yeah. right? So they could still use a pile of guns. Sure. And I'm all. Well, I mean, the other thing is like, would it surprise you to find out that the, these people ransacked Seaside and took all their guns? That makes it harder to imagine that they're uh, going to be the the Rick's going to be able to get them on his side. Yeah, I mean. So there's just no indication at this point. Yeah. Um, we don't even know who these people are yet, let alone what they've been up to. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um. So we also faded to black with a in loving memory of James uh, Heltabrittle. Did you know who this was? No. I looked it up, and I guess he is a um, – he's got a long, long history in, like, behind-the-scenes um, filmmaking – but he was working on the props department on The Walking Dead for the last few years. Mm. So Did he, he unexpectedly die. Yeah. Uh, it looked like he died fairly. Like he, uh, All the pictures make him look like he's in his mid-30s to mid-40s. Shit. And I haven't seen any information about how he died. Um, just that he died and he died unexpectedly very late in 2016. Hmm. So That sucks. There, there you go. That's that's who he is. Why, how he? I don't know anything about that. But uh, he was considered part of the Walking Dead family. And say what I will about the show, I do believe that that sense of family seems like it does exist. Like, like it, yeah. I've heard nothing but positive things from very minor people involved in making all, all up to this. They seem like they genuinely like working together. I think it was bumpy. Uh, they well, got off to a bumpy start, sure. but I think things have you know smoothed out yeah yeah yeah. Uh, the rock in the road has been removed yeah but even before that i feel like that even when you go from you know uh frank's crew to mm-hmm. uh, to yeah Mazera to I, I feel like that the the actual crew making it and the, and the actors it's such a hellish experience a lot that that kind of forges that intimacy anyway yeah 
So, um, and now the nucleus is left behind. I mean, they've been doing this for so long. They, they, I do feel like they, they genuinely have like that familial love. It just seems like, or they do a reasonable fix, facsimile for a guy like me asking them questions. Yeah. So, uh, and that is the episode. Sure is. Before we get to feedback, just want to talk to you about the Club Bald Move. It's uh, the way we primarily get our funding here at Bald Move. You can go to club.baldmove.com, uh, and you can join monthly, quarterly, semi-yearly, yearly. And uh, whichever plan you choose, you get all of our bonus content, including uh, video editions of our podcast. It's the fastest way to get our podcast comp- content, plus you get to see us screw up every once in a while. That's mm-hmm. always a good time. You get our specialty shows like Quit Your Pitching and Lunch with Jim and Aaron and Silent Movies. You get all the spoiler-filled first-run bald movies where we see movies before they're released. So you don't have to, or because you do want to talk with them about people at the time you see. I, I'm not sure. I've lost the thread of my own promotion. Uh, and also you support great independent podcasting. I think, uh, I think the big Great, feature, that's it's subject. It's pretty. Well, it's okay. Some people would say great. We've been doing it a while. Others dog shit. Quantity has a quality all of its own. <laughs> uh, the big feature that I feel like you left out, though, for this show in particular, is the live watch. Oh, yeah. You get the live watch if you sign up for a club. We, we have are... uh, a way for you to sync up your watching with our watching, and you can hear us make hilarious jokes about the show and the commercials we're seeing, and just mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a chit-chat. Yeah. All that and more at club.baldmove.com. So we have a sponsor for this week's episode, as you probably heard at the beginning. It's HelloFresh, and HelloFresh is a company we've advertised before. If you're not familiar with them, they are a meal delivery service. And basically what they do is they they prep a kit for you, um, and they send it to your house, and it's it's designed to make cooking easy, fun, and convenient. I feel like they left something off there, though. What's that? Which is quick. Ooh. I feel like they should have put quick in there. Isn't convenient kind of like, you know, when you go to a convenience store, it's not because, uh, oh, it's so easy. It's uh, There's quick bacon into the concept of convenience, isn't there? I so, mm, potentially. I mean, convenience could, a lot could of people. A lot of times people say quick, quick and convenient, sure. Yeah. Uh, You're going right. to and bestow and if, and if the title of quick upon them? I will. I will give them that. Actually, one of their talking points here is how quick it is, so... Maybe they just did. They wanted a whole talking point for that, uh. but I've I've condensed it. I've I've streamlined their slogan. It's now fun, easy, convenient, and quick. Uh, and I, I'm actually I'm a fan of it. I subscribe to it myself with my own hard-earned bald move dollars mm-hmm. that uh, you guys pleasantly provide me with. Uh, and they convert to U.S. dollars at like a one to fifty exchange rate. Yeah, it's. I you know I make a lot that way just converting bald move dollars to real dollars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Surprising, but yeah, they're so like I said, they're designed to be convenient and quick, which means you know when you get these things shipped to your house, they come with step by step instructions that show you exactly what you need to do to prepare this meal. Uh, Aaron's got a look on his face like he wants to say something nope. really really disturbing, nope. and I'm not going to let him. Yep. <laughs> uh. But they also come prepackaged in the correct proportions. So, you know, if you if you need, well, salt's a bad example. Everybody has salt at home. Uh, but if you need, like, olive oil or you need sour cream, you don't want to buy a whole tub and have that just go bad on you. So they send you the correct proportions for the meals that you're cooking, which is really, really awesome. And really, that's I think convenient. that's the convenience part. Yeah. That, that, okay, so that's the convenience. The quickness is every meal takes around 30 minutes to prepare. So even if you don't have a lot of time to cook, um, you can get you can stay a lot healthier by cooking these meals quickly at home. Uh, and let's say maybe you're worried about 
you know, getting these things shipped to your door and having them sit because you have a job. Uh, they actually come in really well insulated cold boxes. Um, and we have let these things sit outside for hours. I mean, four hours, usually delivered a little bit later in the afternoon. So they're not going to be sitting too long before you get home. Uh, and if they do sit for a while, they, they stay as cold as, as the moment they were delivered. So no worries there. Um, I've, I've been really thoroughly enjoying it. We cook three times a week now instead of the zero times a week that I cooked before. That's an infinite percent improvement. It is. Yeah, technically. They should, they should, they should advertise that infinite, <laughs> infinite percentage improvement of how much you'll cook when you go to HelloFresh. You will. Um, so yeah, if you, if you are interested in signing up for HelloFresh and I suggest you do, uh, for $35 off your first week of deliveries, you can visit HelloFresh.com and enter our promo code TWD35. Uh, I, I'm i a really big fan, and I think uh, if you sign up, you will be too. Okay, are we ready for feedback? Oh, oh yes. Yes, we are. We do not have a lot of feedback. I got like two pages. So uh-huh. uh, it's going to be a short feedback section. You know, we didn't do a preview cast, so I'm not even sure... Everyone knew we were coming back yeah. this season. Why didn't cause some people ask why didn't we do a preview cast? Uh, there wasn't a lot of information out there that I saw yeah. about the new season. There were a couple of previews, but they all looked like old footage to me. We came in to do it, and we did a little bit of poking, and like, ah, that's not really getting it done. And also, we, I mean, we kind of ended the season with a wow. Not really super excited to come back, and we right. I was like, eh, "Do you really want to do like a five minute of like, yeah, I guess you know, here's why we're, uh... yeah, it would have been super short, uh, and not that interesting, <laughs> so we decided not to do it anyway." Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get into the first message we got from Dan from Philly. It says, "Hey guys, overall not a bad episode in my opinion, but then again, the show almost always does premiere as well. From the cheesy dialogue, a fucking awesome zombie herd clothesline." And, of course, Rosita's uncanny Hurt Locker-type explosive ordinance knowledge. We should all be overwhelmed with optimism that this half-season should rock, right? But this is The Walking Dead, after all, and I got a sneaking suspicion it's going to be a Welcome to the Tombs season-ender with no real end in sight. P.S. I thought this was the apocalypse. Where did all these people come from? Do you have any problem with the crowds that we're seeing? These massive communities springing up all around uh, Alexandria? Well... So what we're we're like one percent of the population left alive is kind of what people I, have, I think that's what people have told us really. So that means you would have what three million people in 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 America proper. That's not a lot. Three it's three a and a half big country. It's not, but it's a it's a really massive metropolis sized day. So I would imagine in like you know around Washington D.C. and New York and the East Coast, you would have you know. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see a few hundred people in a town, especially something like the hilltop where people, it's kind of like, you know, people hear about it and go to it and it's as advertised and there's, yeah, it just seems like it's one after another though. Now we've yeah. got this group, which is like at least 50 strong. I don't know. I mean, maybe that would, out of. cause, cause if you go from the, the hills of Georgia, um, where your nearest population center is going to be like, you know, Atlanta or Tennessee, but they're pretty, they're, they're pretty far away to, you know, the East coast, maybe it would be a little bit, uh, easier to find a big community. Maybe. Um, it does, it does seem weird that like, how did the saviors not know about Alexandria? How did they not know about this community? How did, I mean, they knew about seaside seaside is a bunch of refugees that fled right. from, you know, savior retribution. So 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe a little bit of point there. I, I the more I think about Razid to be an explosive expert, the more that bothers me because <laughs> you're right. Like it's not just like oh green wire, red wire. This is some homemade improvised MacGyver bullshit. Yeah. And you're just going to know that like you know if you cut the battery lead, does that does that explode things? Is it not going to explode things if it detects the voltage is right. cut and there's a watch battery holding a dead man switch? Like what the fuck? I don't know. Yeah. So it seemed like there was. The cable was like connected to a switch mm-hmm. somehow. That I guess the pressure of hitting the cable would have pulled the switch, would have flipped the switch. Mm-hmm. I guess you know, that'd be really funny, it's like a tripwire sort to of take thing. Take all these scenes where these amateur. And the other thing is, like, even if you buy the Rosita as an expert, she just barks a bunch of orders about like, yeah. well, cut this and don't cross the polarity streams, and well, for God's sakes, whatever you do, don't flip the Benzite ring. And people like, <laughs> you know, even from Carl down to Michonne and Rick, they're just like, uh-huh. And then they yeah. go, they just go at it with their fucking pocket knives. I'm like, okay, <laughs> right. what? And we thought it'd be super funny to just like, <laughs> every time you have a close-up of like Rick screwing something, just like cut to a giant explosion. Yeah. You can have like 14 different explosions as our crews of dumbasses are going around de- just defusing this thing. Fade to credits. <laughs> Uh, uh, Kenneth P says uh, he dug a little deeper. I don't know if he sent an email prior to this, but if he did, I didn't get it. Uh, but he dug a little deeper and he found some production notes calling this new group that swarm on Rick uh, and, and company at the end of this episode the Garbage Pail Kids. Is that what? a reference to anything? I don't know. I mean, it's a reference to Garbage Pail Kids. Well, yeah, <laughs> from the 80s, if you're familiar with that, those cards. But wasn't there like a live action? Or not a live action show. There like was. A, a, uh, there was puppet. Yeah, based no, there was. TV show. It was disgusting. Those were some disgusting little kids. Yeah, I was not allowed to participate in them, but they were u- ubiquitous at my elementary school, so I got to see yeah. my fair share. Um, so I don't know what I they mean why, by yeah, garbage like, pail kids. Just but. that they're all kind of like, I guess, trash. Everybody chic. is. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, look yeah. at what Tara's wearing. She's got some cut-off flannel. It's disgusting. Rick's wearing the same pit-stained right. flannel shirt that he's been for like six seasons now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... He's got more grease than a... I'd be offended if I was these Assassin's Creed people. I'd be like, we're the garbage pill. Fuck you, people. <laughs> right. Fuck you, people. All right, Beverly B says, did these people just meet Gabriel? He's talking about the the hooded group. Um, but, or I, at least I think she's talking about the hooded group. She... When she says these people, does she mean Rick's group? Because no. she could be saying, like, don't they fucking know Gabriel? Why is everybody so – why is Rick so sure that oh, yeah, he's not right. crossing them, right? You're right, because, like, he just came correct very late in this last season, right? Yeah. He's been yeah. a shitbird. Like, I just happened – in the lead up to this episode, it was like like early Sunday, and I was flipping through, and I saw oh no, I remember what it was. They were, AMC is doing a Walking Dead marathon, mm-hmm. and I was in the studio trying to make sure all of our live watching was going to work. And I turned to AMC, and it was the episode where he betrayed them to Captain Janeway, uh-huh. and he's saying these people are evil, they're Satan's agents, and blah, and like all like this, just like heavy handed, like and not just it wasn't just like Rick, it was like literally I'm the only good one, yeah. Not Carl, not yeah. Judith, like, just me. Save me. Throw the rest out. And I'm like, you're a fucking piece of I forgot what a giant piece of shit you are, Father Gabriel. Yeah, he's the worst. So it did feel a little weird that only Rosita was like, well, okay, I mean. I mean, I actually would have been nice to have someone go, like, whole hog with that. Like, mm-hmm. did any, is anyone surprised 
this guy sold us out just weeks or months ago, and now he's... Yeah, what was Michonne saying about it? I felt like she was on. I thought it she was, was against Gabriel, too. Rosita was, it seemed like, the strongest one, where yeah. she's like, well, the evidence yeah. is, like, it looks like he just stole shit and bugged out, you know? Yeah, I mean, Carhartt said the same thing. You know, that's what it looks like. Yeah, and I, I get Rosita seems like she's the most hard-bitten of all of everyone now. Yeah, and, and she's pretty jaded. Yeah, but you know what? I she's thought she would be a little off. bit humbled by the fact that her bullshit got Eugene swiped. Like, there is none of that in this formulation of her character. Right. She's just as as pissed off and angry and pig-headed as she was before. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's in her character. Well, Beverly B. was on the side of Rosita because she says his desertion seemed not that surprising to me. Now, I agree. Like, had we not seen, the, the you know, exactly what happened here with the hooded figure... I would say, yeah, he just swiped the food and took off. You like the episode where, you know, Nicholas um, blew his brains out and left Glenn mm-hmm. in the lurch if uh, uh, people were like, oh, that doesn't sound like Nicholas at all. <laughs> right. Really? Him taking the coward's way out? Uh-huh. Him in danger? No, he wouldn't do that. It's like, really? Uh, Josh and Charlotte says, just want to say I'm excited for the Walking Dead podcast. It's one of the few reasons I watch The Walking Dead anymore. Uh, he had a couple of points about the bomb scene that we pretty much covered. And then he went on to say, has the show always been this bad with character structure? What yes. I mean <laughs> what I mean is characters do not exist as a part of the story, but rather as fill-ins for plot necessities. Need a bomb tech? Rosita suddenly went to EOD school in the army. Need someone to inspire the troops? Enid can do it off screen, despite her being the mousy, quiet one who rarely speaks. Need someone to speak against banding together to fight a common enemy? Use Morgan, despite his insistence that he now understands violence is an occasional necessity in a violent world, right after he realizes that Negan can't be reasoned with. I mean... Uh, and seriously, like, you know, the Daryl thing. Like, really, yeah. you're going to encourage him to talk to Ezekiel? He's That's not the guy for it. But that's like... Um... That that's stretching a character into something that they don't. But I think that he could be effective in. Like I, I mean, the Rosita stuff is super egregious. But seriously, mm-hmm. we've noticed this stuff since like late in season two. Like, yeah, season one is really the only time that they really took care to establish some characters and put them on arcs. And it's been a lot more slipshod since then. Um, mm-hmm. And Enid, I will defend that a little bit because her whole arc last season with Glenn, yeah was learning the value of community and they had a couple scenes last the 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 last half season where she was out talking to people and even like you know Maggie and Sasha were like wow look at you <laughs> you know learning your lessons as a little lady and and so i yeah. feel like that that has been earned yeah he he's wondering if it's been getting worse or but it's or thing. if it's if it's always been this way or he's just noticing it because of the the weird pacing of stuff. I think I think it's always been this way, but they do. They they seem willing to make. They seem willing to take bigger shortcuts. Like mm-hmm. they didn't like like the stuff we've been noticing about like it's raining, it's not raining, it's day, it's night. Like that shit is kind of new. Like that right. like that's like not giving a fuck at a very like like just like well we're out of daylight, we should stop shooting. Fuck it, no, nah, we just need three more scenes. Like that's that kind of like right. laziness and sloppiness, and maybe it's going. I mean, I hate to say this because this. Because this could take us some terrifying or very entertaining places, but maybe the writer's room at this uh, at this point. What about the writer's room? I'm just like, what if they just stopped? Like, like, like they've actually given a fuck, and we've been making fun of them for it. But what if they just stopped giving a fuck? 
Like, I, like if they're gonna produce episodes like this when they stop giving a fuck, I say go for it. Yeah, stop giving. Yeah, just let yeah. Them, let all the fucks fall. But you know, like they they gotta. It's it's gotta. Um, you know when they when they hear like the critics have all checked out and you know all the like even the fan podcasts have turned against them and Chandler Riggs of all people are like yeah I've had enough I'm I'm wanting out of my contract and thing like that that's got to get to them right there's got to be a little bit sure. of like yeah well fuckity fuck fuck kind of thing and well, right at least room. that might force them into picking a lane because I feel like they've been yeah. in this like drama they've been in the drama lane and they've been like half in the schlock lane and I want them to pick a fucking lane and go for it. Right. And if it's schlock, let it be schlock. I'll, I fuck man. I like Z nation. So sure, I was going to say, you either I gotta, can deal with schlock, but know what you are and, and do it. Yeah. They got to go back to the Frank Darabont days or go to Z nation. Right. And uh, you can't half ass Z nation. No, no, no. You got to commit to that. <sighs> yeah. Or, if that was like just a tiny bit less ridiculous, sure. I wouldn't be watching. Yep. Uh, Mike in Louisville says, sorry, Louisville. Louisville. Says, I wrote you all during the last half, half of the season that a giant combine harvester would be the ideal way to dispatch large herds while leaving the driver relatively safe. Well, that still seems like a good idea. After last night, it's hard to argue with the car wire death machine that our heroes deployed. That was just plain awesome. It's kind of amazing to watch this show when they actually do things that make sense. You know, sure is. I wish Mythbusters is still on the air because this would be a per. I mean, this oh, is something. Man. Like I bet it's surprising how much you have to how how strong and heavy a vehicle you'd have to have. Like yeah. you need like a a city um like a garbage truck or a snowplow. Right. And then how much you'd have to beef up the attachment point. Like yeah. for it just not to rip out when you hit it with this much force, but like that's something to add them. Like they I could see them making like 500 ballistic gel molds of zombies right. in a field and just plowing through <laughs> and it'd be, be glorious. Awesome. It would be fucking glorious. The one they thing, need to come out of retirement just so they can bust this myth. Let's just or, do it on tested. Just yeah, have Adam Savage do that on tested. Yeah, do a Kickstarter. Do a Kickstarter. Well, there you do a yeah. Kickstarter for it. Kickstart yeah. uh, old school MythBuster. Can you drive through this many zombies with a steel cable myth? We should we should email them and see if they'll do it. Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing I know that the fanboys like if they said, "Oh, myth busted," you couldn't do it. They come back and say, "Well, we don't know how soft the zombies, the walkers are." Oh, right? fuck like, off. Oh, they've been rotting in the forest for three years now. But they're still, they're not literally falling apart. So they must have, within an order of magnitude, the same consistency as a human right. body, right? Right. But who <laughs> knows how what that consistency is exactly. I think it's an in-universe thing now, because I'm pretty sure Rick has said something about, like... Like softness of yeah, like how like you know like how squishy the skulls or, or didn't Rosita when she's t- teaching someone how to knife fate fights like you don't want to stick it in a, in a live person's skull because they're not as soft as the I think I think there was a line like where they that. kind of re- they they kind of acknowledge that yeah the the zombies heads are ripe melons at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Amine from Tunisia. Hi guys, I'm Amine from Tunisia. You're probably wondering where the fuck that is, but I swear it's a real country. Oh yeah. no, it's where they film the most ice. We know all about most. Come on, oh, we're yeah. Star Wars fans. Yeah, uh, and then they say you drink blue milk over there. I hear <laughs> right uh, in the in a galaxy far, far away. A long time ago, they did. <laughs> uh, and then they they said that they used to think we were too hard on the show, but they changed their minds and now think we're pretty fair and funny as fuck. So that's that's nice. Yeah, um, warm down, warm down like Daryl's stare. <laughs> Uh, and then I, I don't know if it's a he or she, but they ask, uh, they have some requests for us. Aaron, oh. please use more of your Rick accent. And especially 
your Axel on speed, man. That shit cracks me up. <laughs> man, Axel's been he's been he's dead been, been dead many many a year. Yeah, not much cause to use the Axel one. But I did do a little Rick Grimes this episode. I forget what it was about, but I think it might have been Live Watch. Oh, did, did I get? Yeah, yeah, we did a couple during the Live Watch. So if if you're not a member and you want to check out the Live Watch, that's where a lot of the ridiculous shit goes on. Uh huh. Uh, also, I would love to know what you guys think of the idea of the Telltale game having a crossover with the TV show. I mean, having Clementine on the show would be fucking badass. I read somewhere a long time ago that Kirkman said it's a possibility. Only if they get... Oh, my God. Her fucking name is escaping me now. I had this name, Melanie Hutchinson. There you go. To play Clem. But she in looks... In a blue and white hat. I know. I was going to say, that's the problem. They I look know. She nothing. has blonde hair. <laughs> uh, Clem has brown hair. Yeah. Um, I think they, they could they could pull it off and get some CG on her. You know, that one girl from Oceanside seemed like she was a bit of an homage the to Clem. The 16-year-old? Yeah. yeah, I know she wasn't, but like that, I could, she like, that, that she could have yeah. played a, a good older Clem. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I could. I would I could, like to see it. I wouldn't mind seeing a crossover, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's already been a crossover in the other direction. You had the Michonne episodes of The Walking Dead. Oh, right, from show to game. Right, right. Yeah. So, and there, I believe in the first season, you went to Herschel's farm and met Glenn. So there's been a little bit of uh, right. cross-pollination yeah. in the other direction. But yeah, bring bring Clem on. Mm-hmm. Get, get Clem going. Um, she also, they also ask about the the new group we meet at the end of the premiere, but... Uh, I think we talked about that. And then finally, would you guys consider doing a cast for Fear the Walking Dead? Some people might not know this, but we actually did a couple of years ago um, the first season of Fear the Walking Dead, and we dropped it because we didn't like it. So if you're really just dying to hear a negative take on Fear the Walking Dead season one, the podcast is still out there. It's called Fear the Watching Dead. It's up on iTunes. I mean, that's the thing about Fear the Walking Dead. Like, Walking Dead started off pretty good. Yeah. And it's kind of devolved into the point it is now. Uh, but but Fear the Walking Dead just started off. What little excitement we had is for the premise of like, oh, we're actually going to see right. the fall of humans, and they did the fucking nine days later bullshit. Time jumped it. Yep. So it's essentially every other plot you've seen. So yeah, I wasn't a, bit, a huge huge fan of that whole operation. All right, and then we have something, the final email that's you know tangentially related to the Walking Dead, and then we're going to talk about some of the actors. But that's pretty much it for um, the Walking Dead stuff. Sean M. says, over the hiatus and due to Aaron's constant praise, watch the entirety of The Wire. Fantastic suggestion, but what I found most surprising was the number of Wire alumni that have appeared in big roles in The Walking Dead. Never cared for Gabriel, but holy shit, I've never been more convinced that it's the material to blame. Oh, yeah. Seth Gilliam rocks and is so different here in The Wire. It gave me whiplash to see him as Carver at first and then yep. again readjusting to him as Gabriel. I'd be very curious to hear what you think about the various Wire alumni here or in other shows which you found um, to be the most surprising or interesting. Uh, I mean, what they ne- did with Tyrese was pretty yeah, shitty on this Chad show. Colton, like He's a lot... Because I'm just... Um, I'm, I'm actually rewatching The Wire right now, too, and we're towards the tail end of season three, and it's amazing at how not effectively they used him yeah uh, i think i thought they got um lawrence uh, gillier jr uh mm-hmm. who plays uh d'angelo barksdale mm-hmm. and uh bob yeah in the walking dead i actually thought by the end they did they they got a lot of his juice out like that that bob looking back was a pretty interesting character 
Yeah, and it, I mean... And he had lots of realistic rea- interactions with people, and people found mm-hmm. that he was, like, you know, alcoholic. Like, that j- caused some genuine concert. Wasn't it Daryl that was the one that confronted him about that? And that kind of opened yep. up Daryl, too? Uh-huh. Like, I, I feel like the he of all the Wire alum came off the best. And had so. and had the, the finest turn in The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um Tyrese was pretty disappointed, and yeah. and, and Which, Father um, Gabriel. Like I don't know why they're having Seth Gilliam play an like an unlikable person because he's kind of by nature likable. Yeah, I mean, in the moments, I feel like there was a moment last half season where he started to become more likable. Yeah, he had a conversation with someone where I was like, okay. Maybe oh, I yeah. can see when this guy Rosita, as a when he's trying to talk being. Rosita out of her crazy plan without right. fully knowing what it was. Yeah, yeah, and he's playing like he's the playing real, the priest, spi- like, you know, the, like exactly the... a real spiritual advisor. Right. Uh, yeah, and I'm actually watching um, the Expanse right now, and that's got uh, Chad Coleman in it, and he's much better in that too. So, yeah. like, you're right; it's probably the material. Right. And I, but, you know, I think these guys try because I, I got to talk. I was lucky enough to get a chance to talk to Chad Coleman candidly a few times, and I, I, right. I heard him speak. And I feel like these actors, they really try. And in fact, what's really weird is it seems like the better ones kind of invent um, stories mm. that are not on the script. Like I remember Chad and Melissa both talking about how they had this understanding between themselves about how to play. Like when. When Tyrese and Carol are in the cabin, do, figuring out what to do Which with these like kids, his one really good moment. And I'm like, <laughs> Christ, why? That's actually pretty righteous. Why not get that onto the screen so we uh-huh. actually give a damn? But you know, because they have to figure out a way to say these words without laughing and and, and looking stupid. So yeah. they come up with these stories about how their characters think and feel behind the scenes that have let them you know give this performance. And I'm like, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. I wish I wish the writers cared that much, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, you know, we're gonna be back next week. I don't think we have any spoilers to talk about here. No, uh, I didn't get anything in email. If if you want to send it an email, we could definitely use it. I'm sure we'll get a bunch next week, but feel free to send them into Walking Dead at baldmove.com or. Watching Watch, Dead. Either one. Works. They both work. Watching um, Dead at baldmove.com. Or uh, we also have a weekly thread on forums. Forums dot baldmove.com where you can discuss that or any of the other shows we're talking about because we got a lot going on if you don't know we're right. going to be wrapping up our coverage of the young pope this week which has been surprisingly good yeah uh we're doing the walking dead right now we've got bald movies ev- uh, almost every week uh the cure, cure for, for wellness, wellness this week will be out late thursday we night. just did john wick too that was a hoot so that was a hoot check that out. um <laughs> and then we've got a lot of shows coming up uh, this spring is going to be the podcast Podcastopolis. It's. Apocalypse. I mean, we're, there's, there's other stuff we're doing right now too. We got uh, the Legion podcast with Jason. Forgot about the Legion crossover. Yeah, if you like the if you like the bald move and you like Podcastica and the Walking Dead cast with Jason, and Karen, this is like your peanut butter and chocolate getting all mixed up and tasting like ass. Uh, <laughs> I think it tastes pretty yeah, good. It, it tastes pretty. It, it tastes Jesus. all right. Yeah, yeah. The bald move. It really makes the bald move part shine. I think. Um, but the, we're we're doing that crossover with Jason. Uh, we got Better Call Saul coming up. We got the leftovers coming up. We got Fargo coming up. We got after that Game of Thrones. It's going to be a good time. Twenty seventeen shaping up from an entertainment perspective to be pretty pretty yeah. good. Uh, and I guess if you want to get all the latest updates on that stuff, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. We're bald move on both of those. Yep. Uh, And that's it. We will see you guys next week. See ya.